When it comes to world religions, who is right? And how could we know? Islam, for example, is practiced by 1.5 billion people around the world. It was birthed in the Arabian desert more than 1400 years ago, and its name literally means submission to Allah. Could Islam hold the truth that people need to accept? And how does Islam compare to other religions? Today, I invite you to join us on a journey through Islam as we seek to answer the question, who's right? Notice the Quran itself identifies itself as a religion of terror. This is Allah speaking in the Quran, saying what he's going to do, and he's going to do it by means of the Muslims. In Islam, Allah has no fixed character. You can't really think in terms of definite attributes when it comes to Allah, because his absolute unity makes him sort of a blank. He's, he's just this arbitrary will in Islam. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Now, if you are new to the Creation Today Show, I'm your host, Eric Hovind. Together with our Creation Today partners, we are on a mission to disciple the world one person at a time. We want to turn stumbling blocks that keep people from seeing Jesus as the creator and the redeemer of mankind into stepping stones on their journey to know the truth. Facebook, YouTube, podcast, and television audience, thank you guys for peeking into today's Creation Today community for this conversation. You're going to get to enjoy the first half of this show. And if you ever want to be part of our mission to disciple the world, which gives you the benefit of enjoying the second half of the show, then partner with Creation Today. Come on over to creationtoday.org and let's start discipling the world together. Hey, Creation Today partners, I love having you guys on here. Kevin and Lisa and Jonathan and Gary and Craig and uh, Becky and Andrew and uh, Jonathan and everybody else on here. Welcome to the Creation Today show today. You guys are really in for a treat. Hey, I want us to welcome our new partners. We're on a goal, at, it's a pretty bold goal. By the end of this year, we want to be at 500 partners helping us get this message out around the world. And we got a few more that uh, just joined us. So to Charlotte and to Michael and to Vern and to Teresa and Tiffany and Jeffrey and Peggy and Beverly, something with the E's. If your last name is, in, uh, if your, your name ends with E, like, you know, you got to you got Lori, Francine, Terry, Nick, and Mike. Ah, oh, guys, thank you for hanging out with us and helping us reach the world with the message of truth. It really is a privilege to, to partner with you guys in, in fulfilling the Great Commission. Hey, uh, you guys are in for a treat today. What a time to join if you're just now joining. My guest is a longtime contributor to AnsweringIslam.org and AnsweringMuslims.com. He produces videos uh, with David Wood for Acts 17 Apologetics YouTube channel. You can find him on his YouTube channel that I have no idea actually how to pronounce that, that name. Well, I'm going to have to ask him about that. So, but look up his name. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Pastor Anthony Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers, can I ask or can I say welcome to the neighborhood, my friend? Absolutely. Thanks for having <laughs> thank me. Oh, thanks so much for joining me. What a privilege it is. I've watched your videos on YouTube and learned so much and just wished all of that knowledge that you have about Islam was inside of my brain. Uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell us how you got started in that, man, because you you have obviously studied this extensively. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, of course, that's a that's a long story. But the the short version is, 
I grew up in Southern California in the 80s and early 90s. And during that time, there was a uptick in gang activity, and I got caught up in a lot of that. I came from a family background that actually knows that world a little too well in, in the sense that my my ancestry is Sicilian and my great uncle was one of the lieutenants to Joe Perello, who was the original head of the Cleveland Mafia. And so I just kind of had that sort of thing in the background of my family life. It was a great family, but in the wrong ways in some senses. And so when gangs came along, I it just sort of felt natural to me. I loved doing wrong and I got in trouble for stealing a car right when I turned 18 and was incarcerated in 1993. At that time, we had just moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, another place you'd expect a Sicilian family to potentially move. But uh, while I was in the jail, I was incarcerated with a self-professed devil worshiper. And it always amazes me, God's providence, because I had no interest in the Bible, but this guy had an ax to grind. He wanted to disprove the Bible, even to the point of rousing up somebody who showed no interest. Like I, I didn't have any interest that he needed to check or anything. And so he told me how to get a Bible and I requested a Bible. A Bible came. He tried to show me what he was talking about. He couldn't show me. And so I had time on my hand. I started reading it. And while reading it, I was alarmed because I learned that God doesn't trifle with sin. He kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden merely for eating, merely, right? Uh, I realize now it's not a merely, but at the time I'm thinking they just took a fruit that you told them not to yeah. eat. And so I realized this God is holy and he doesn't trifle with sin. He banished them from the garden. The whole human race then is born outside of those perfect conditions. And then he destroys the entire world in a flood. And you know the rest of the story, right? One thing after another shows his holiness and his ability to take out any sinner that refuses to repent and turn to him in faith. And so I was alarmed. I didn't get the gospel at first. I only understood God's wrath and my sin. Uh, but eventually I heard a gospel minister preaching the gospel, the good news of life and salvation in Jesus Christ. And I was converted and I was so overjoyed. I couldn't believe that my sins were were forgiven. And one of the things that was so overwhelming about it was I knew, and I, I don't have the time to tell you all this now, but because uh, we want to talk about Islam, I know, but I knew that I was sinful. It wasn't just my environment. It wasn't just my friends. It, you know, I knew that I was sinful. It was my heart that was the problem. And when I heard that my sins were forgiven and at the cost of God's eternal son, the, the object of his eternal love and delight, I thought, how incredible is this? And I assumed everybody would be excited to hear about it. And so I started going out. Remember, I'm in a prison and I'm surrounded <laughs> by people who aren't there for their good behavior. And not everybody was happy. So they started getting upset. Some people would argue against it. And I had to start learning answers to these things. And one of the groups that I was surrounded by uh, was uh, Muslims. So that was one group that I spent a lot of time studying and I continued studying them for the last three decades. And currently I do a lot of Islamic activity. I'm going to speak at a conference I mentioned to you before. Uh, even tomorrow I'm jumping on a plane. I do debates with Muslims. I write on Islam. So it's something I've done for a long time and, and love to do. 
Well, your videos online are awesome. How do you say your YouTube channel or what, what is that from? Well, the so it's, it's really just under my name, but what you're looking at oh. there is kind of a, uh, it says post Tenebras Lux, which was a watchword of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, it means after darkness light. So when Luther realized that there was a, a bushel being placed over the gospel by a lot of uh, traditions of men, uh, people came to refer to these uh, recovered insights as uh, the the uh, light shining through the darkness. And so post Tenebras Lux is just a Latin phrase for that. That's why I couldn't say it. Now it makes perfect <laughs> sense. I'm like, I don't get this. I, what is this? Well, hey, guys, I want to encourage you to uh, go to his YouTube channel. Just look up Aaron Rodgers on YouTube where Aaron Rodgers Islam guaranteed. He'll be right there at the top. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking football now. My, my apologies. Anthony Rodgers. I, I had a joke that I was looking at. It had a football joke. So sorry. Aaron Rodgers got in my brain with Green Bay. Well, not Green Bay anymore. Anyway. Um, hey, I do have a giveaway, by the way, for those of you joining me live, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, whatever, all you have to do um, is, uh, is, is type in a comment to win. And here's, let me just tell you what it is. Our friends over at masterbooks.com are allowing us to do a giveaway. And I appreciate that. They have written an impressive three volume set on world religions and cults. And volume number one actually deals with Islam. So I want to give that book number one away to several of you today. In order to be in the drawing to win, all you have to do is answer this question. What are the three biggest religions in the world? Now, you don't have to be first. Uh, I don't care if you cheat at looking at other people's comments. Uh, however you get the answer, as long as you get it right, what are the three biggest religions in the world? Put those in the comment right now. For my partners right here, you guys too. You guys are in this drawing too. So anybody can win this if you make the comment on what are the three biggest religions in the world and I'll announce that winner in just a few minutes. All right, uh, I, I'm I'm ready to jump into this, Anthony. I'm I'm. It's uh, to me this is fascinating, and I've heard several of your talks now where I just go, I'm ready for you to just start teaching. Where should we start when it comes to Islam? I'm curious about what they think about Jesus. I'm curious about what they think about sin. I'm curious about what they think uh, is needed or necessary for salvation if they can obtain salvation. How it compares to other religions. So. Where, where do we need to start to understand Islam? Well, one of the things I like to start with is just the very different nature of Christianity's means of spreading itself. So, uh, for example, here's a quote that I've long remembered. It's from Anthony Flew. Now, you may know who Anthony Flew is or some of your guests will. He was famous. He's, he's deceased now, but... He was famous back in the day for most of his life being an atheist and a protracted critic of Christianity and really any theistic religion. Before he died, he became a deist, so not a Christian still. But uh, back in his atheist days, he wrote an article for Free Inquiry magazine. And uh, that in that article, I have the quote here. He says, the truth is this is an issue of free inquiry on Islam. They're, they were normally writing stuff against Christianity, but this one was dedicated to Islam. And it says the truth is that whereas Christianity for the first note, note every part of this, it's significant. Whereas Christianity for the first three centuries of its remarkable expansion in the face of successive persecution made all of its converts by peaceful individual persuasion, Islam already during the later years of Muhammad's own lifetime was gaining most of its converts in consequence of military 
victories. Now, the reason I like to start with that is because it not only tells us something about just how different Christianity's spread was and, and, and the remarkable fact of it. I mean, it really is remarkable. In three centuries, Christianity swept across the world and became the dominant religion in the, the known world at the time. And it did so in the face of persecution. So it's it's facing fierce opposition by the empire and the powers that be, and it still succeeds. Its triumph was unstoppable. Well, Islam, too, had a rapid expansion, but its method was very different. It was by means of military conquest. But But here's the interesting thing, because we often make the point, I think, appropriately when you see some of the things that the church would do later in history— well, they're not following Jesus when they they did those sorts of things. Well, if you listen closely to that quote from Flew, he says that Islam was doing this, their, their martial campaigns, already during the time of Muhammad. And so it shows you that this practice of spreading Islam by means of the sword goes all the way back to Islam's founder. And this, I think, speaks very clearly to the nature of this religion. According to the Bible, it's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And the method of spreading that message is entirely peaceful. It's through proclaiming the message. It's the strength of the message that leads to conversion. And just listen to a handful of quotations from Muhammad. This is Surah 3, 151 of the Quran. It says, we shall cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve because they joined others in worship with Allah. Notice the Quran itself identifies itself as a religion of terror. This is Allah speaking in the Quran, saying what he's going to do, and he's going to do it by means of the Muslims. In Surah 860, it says, against them, make ready your strength to the utmost of your power to strike terror into the hearts of the enemies of Allah and your enemies. Now, I could easily duplicate these passages. There's a plethora of others. It's it's really almost endless. And, and that's just talking about the Quran, not even getting to the, the traditions. But here's one from the traditions of Islam, which are also authoritative. It says that Abu Huraira narrated this. This is one of Muhammad's companions. Allah's messenger, Muhammad, said, I have been sent with the shortest expressions bearing the widest meanings, and I have been made victorious with terror. Now, notice this last line. While I was sleeping, the keys of the treasures of the world were brought to me and put in my hand. Now, now think about this. Think about that language. Here's Muhammad saying that he had a dream where the kingdoms of the world and their treasures are being offered to him. What does that sound like to you? Like what happened to Jesus? Like that very thing happened to Jesus during the yeah, temptation. And this is Muhammad's own account of, of what his religion is all about. And so I, I think this is a very good window into this religion. It shows you something of its devilish nature and devilish character. Wow. So how, how do you respond, though, when people are like, no, 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 you don't understand. Islam is a religion of peace. Like, how, how do you do you just start quoting their stuff? Like, what, what, what's the response when somebody says that? Well, number one, historically, it's just not true. This isn't even debatable. Uh, one of the first things I did, so I mentioned that I started studying Islam in 1993. And at the time, I was primarily interested in learning about the religion for evangelistic purposes. I didn't have so much of an interest in the political aspects of it or 
some of the historical stuff. But when 9-11 happened, I realized, you know, these people keep saying, and I don't just mean Muslims here, just, you know, people in general are saying it's a religion of peace because a lot of people just assume all religions are the same, right? They're not the same. They're, they're fundamentally different in a lot of ways. And certainly Christianity is. Well, I, I remember hearing people saying they're, they're the same. And I'm thinking, you know, I haven't really focused on this aspect of Islam, but I've read their sources and I know that's just not true. And so I started picking up additional material on the history of Islam. And one of the first books I picked up at a Barnes and Noble way back then was a book by Paul Fragosi, just called Jihad. And it is a chronicling of the history of Islamic conquest in one nation after another since the time of Muhammad. And, and so, I mean, you could just go down the list. Almost every country that you can think of that was in any way accessible to them at the time, they were at war with. And and I continued to expand on Fergosi's work. I read Bernard Lewis and, and, and just a slew of others. And so historically, it has, in fact, spread by the sword. So you got to ask the question, well, if, if the religion has been doing this and has been doing this throughout its history, how do we account for that? It's, it's sort of like, how do we account for the Christian church suddenly worshiping on Sunday? These are Jews, right? The, the They had been beaten to a pulp by God for disobeying him. And one of the reasons for being chastised was disobeying him on the Sabbath day, right? So how do you get this group of apostles and other Christians to start worshiping on Sunday after that? You got to have some accounting for that. And the accounting for that is the resurrection, right? Well, right. what accounts for the immediate fact of Islam spreading by means of terror? Well, it's what I just read in the Quran. These verses sufficiently explain this. And I only scratched the, the, the tip of the proverbial iceberg. It, this, again, is endless. Another book that people uh, could get and, and just see... Uh, I remember the author just has a litany of quotes. It's called Blood of the Moon, written by George Grant. Uh, he he just points out how how this has been true of Islam from day one, and it's in the sources. Now, I didn't, again, I didn't need these sources to show me that it's in the Islamic sources, but the history of it was what I was trying to gain additional information on. So number one, it's just not true historically. Number two, it's not true in terms of their primary sources. If you read the Quran, the chief source of Islam, if you read the Hadith, which are the inspired sayings of Muhammad, so as long as you can reliably trace a tradition back to Muhammad, according to Muslims, then it's just as inspired and true as the Quran. And then the tafsirs, which are the commentaries on the Quran, these all say the same thing, that Islam is a religion that spreads by means of jihad. I, there's so many places I want to go. I, I'd love to hear about uh, Muhammad's background. I'd love to hear about the Quran versus the Bible. Like, is is there inspiration there? Is it like, how would you prove that? You Where should we go next in order to help un help us understand, you know, kind of who's right in this when it comes to world religion, specifically Islam? Yeah. So, so here's another thing that I like to bring up. So we've already looked at a clear, a stark contrast between Islam and Christianity in the nature of its promulgation. And I've suggested what I, anybody I think with any any knowledge of the Bible could have already discerned that uh, this is demonic. Well, Muhammad himself, his own description of his prophetic calling looks downright demonic, and that was how Muhammad interpreted it. So uh, if you think about the the calling of biblical prophets, very interesting. Uh, many Christians maybe don't even realize this, but 
Uh, we're, we're not told about the calling of each prophet. We know that at some point they had to have been called, but whenever we're given their initial calling, it's always an immediate call directly by God. So think, for example, of Moses at the burning bush. God directly speaks to Moses. Think of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. He has a vision of the Lord seated upon his throne, and the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1 sees the Lord by the river Kibar, right? These are all descriptions of their initial callings. The same thing with Paul. He saw the Lord, right? This is stock in trade for the prophets. They see the Lord. These are awesome encounters. And of course, the, the people who see them are overwhelmed, but they're overwhelmed because of their sinfulness and because of God's majesty and their fears are quickly allayed. God tells them he's there to uh, use them to spread his word and so forth. And the reason they're getting called immediately by God is so that they'll have a backbone. They have to know that what they're going to do is from God or else they're not going to be able to withstand the onslaught because not only are the enemies of God not going to receive this well, but in many cases, the people of God, ostensibly the people of God, are not always going to receive this. So they have to have a backbone. Well, what does Muhammad's calling look like? Well, I got to be honest with you. It looks more like biblical descriptions of demonic possession than anything else. And this wow. is based on the Islamic sources. So here, here's the rundown of, well, uh, I was going to tell you what it looked like when he got his subsequent revelations, but I'll come to that in a second. His first calling, here's his first calling, his own description of it. He says that he retired to a cave on Mount Hira, that's in Arabia, outside of Mecca, uh, where he, he grew up and his, his tribe was located, the Koreas tribe. He was meditating in a cave and a being appeared to him, which was not at first identifiable to him. He didn't know who or what this being was. This being appeared to him and told him to recite. Now, you need to understand that in Arabia at the time, there was a phenomenon known as, well, they were they were poets. There, there were poets at the time. And it was believed that the ones that were really good at poetry, that really excelled at the gift of oratory and so forth, it was believed that they were possessed by desert jinn or demons. And so when Muhammad hears this recite, he, he thinks of this in this light. He thinks that he's being in, in, uh, inducted into this sort of poetic society, if you will. And he says, I can't recite. I'm not a poet is, is basically his response. And what happens is this being takes hold of Muhammad and forcefully begins to squeeze him around his chest and neck until it felt like the life was draining out of him. And then he was released and he fell to the ground. Well, when he regained his composure, he's told again to recite. And he says again, he can't. And he's once again manhandled by this being until he feels like he's going to die and he falls to the ground and he rises up again and he's told to recite. And finally, this time he recites. Well, then the being disappears and Muhammad flees from the cave. And this is what he says, according to the Islamic sources, woe is me, I am possessed or poet or possessed, right? There's there are very, various versions of this. So Muhammad thinks that this initial encounter was potentially a, an encounter with a demon and that he through this has been possessed. We, we read in the Islamic sources after that, that Muhammad uh, even wanted to commit suicide for a long period of time after this, he would go up to the tops of mountains and, and he, he would be on the verge of throwing himself off the precipice of the mountain 
and he would hear a voice saying, don't do it. You are a messenger of Allah. And so Muhammad thinks that his his encounter was potentially demonic. Now, one other thing about this before describing his subsequent reception of, of revelation, Muhammad didn't just think that this was potentially a sign of demonic possession at the time, but even 10 years at least into his prophetic career, he, he prophesied, and I'm using the term prophecy, prophesied, uh, not because I think he literally prophesied or anything, but that's that's just the language they use, right? So uh, everybody should understand I'm using scare quotes every time I, I use that language. <laughs> um, but even even many years into his prophethood, if if this being whom he eventually came to identify as Gabriel didn't return to him very quickly, if there was a long intermission, he would worry that this was a sign that his his uh, that he was sort of being abandoned. And so people would taunt him and say his familiar spirit had left him. And so uh, Muhammad, we have reports of Muhammad still fearing 10 years into his prophethood that he might have been possessed. In fact, uh, one of the things that you can see in the Quran is, is Muhammad's obsessed with this issue of, of possession so that repeatedly in the Quran, it says things like, Muhammad is not possessed or he's not a poet. He's not possessed. He's not a madman. He's not, you know, on and on. And, and it kind of reminds me of the 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 line in Hamlet, uh, uh, methinks uh, the lady doth protest too much, right? When somebody <laughs> has to constantly say something, it, it almost sounds like, well, maybe there's something to that, right? If I suddenly blurt out to you, Eric, I didn't steal your wallet. You know, and, and you didn't say anything about your wallet, it might look suspicious, right? Well, Muhammad, almost at every turn, you know, somebody would say, hi, Muhammad, and he'd say, I'm not possessed. You know, wow. quit saying it. So this, to me, speaks volumes. Now, here's the last point, real quick. The When you look, look at the descriptions of Muhammad's revelations after this initial encounter, when he would supposedly receive revelation, here's his own descriptions of this. He would hear from all sides, like the ringing of bells in his ears, which elsewhere he says that, that bells are the, the instruments of Satan. So he forbade his followers from using bells. But he said that when he got his revelations, he could hear bells in his ears. It was like the, also the sound of, of flies buzzing around him, which is very interesting to me because uh, one of the things that uh, Baal was called in the Bible was the dung god, which is a way yes. of... Re, uh, uh, you know, flies are attracted to dung, right? It God is. of the flies, yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, he, he buzzing of uh, bees uh, and he would uh, get break out into a, uh, a sweat. He would fall on the ground. He would start convulsing. He would start frothing at the mouth. And then after he came out of that, he would have a new revelation, right? So all of this just has demonic stuff written all over it. Now, understand... This is their description of things. I, I'm not overly inclined to make my first, uh, you know, when I try and describe the origin of something like a false religion, I don't initially think of a direct encounter with Satan. I think there's sufficient evil in fallen hearts for people to come up with things. They have a lust for power, for women, for wealth. That's enough motivation for sinful creatures to create a false religion. But if you want to say any religion had Satan as its immediate founder, I think there's no better candidate than Islam, and that's according to their sources. That's interesting because when you think of somebody being filled with the Spirit, 
you don't get somebody who's wanting to go jump off a cliff and be and commit suicide as they say Muhammad wanted to do, or he recorded that he wanted to do. You, it is a stark contrast. And so you would really say it seems as though Islam is the product of the, it's a religion of the devil. Yes. Wow. Okay. I want to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to answer the question then who is Allah and we got more to get into, but first, let me give away these uh, this book. Uh, it's uh, volume one of World Religions and Cults from Master Books. And I want to thank Master Books, man. If you haven't had a chance to check out what they do, a plethora of material at masterbooks.com. You need to do that. Uh, but for those of you who commented, thank you guys so much uh, for our partners right here with me. Hey, Tom Crabtree, I love you, buddy. Uh, the girls in the office said, you are the winner. We'll get that to you. Hey, for the rest of you uh, on social media, you need to email us if you're the winner. If I call your name, email us comments at creationtoday.org, comments at creationtoday.org. On YouTube, Truth Defenders, you just won your copy of book one of the three-volume set of World Religions. So Truth Defenders, send us an email. On Facebook, Matt Oriola. Matt Oriola on my Facebook page and on the Genesis page, Kathy Mobley, Kathleen Mobley, please send us an email, comments at creationtoday.org to claim your book and you will get that today. Hey guys, what we're talking about here is so important. I want to go on because I want to know what Islam thinks about sin and what they think about Jesus and so many other things. But hey, most importantly, I want you to know what the truth is. If you don't get to come over to creationtoday.org and join us for the ref for the rest of this. I want you to know what the truth is. God's word is truth. And I want you to have the free gift that he's offering. Go to creationtoday.org slash gift. Creationtoday.org slash gift. And I'd love for you to see what God has for you. It's a free gift and it's one that you should certainly take advantage of. Creationtoday.org slash gift. Thank you guys for joining us. If you want to help us reach the world with the gospel, Come on over to creationtoday.org. We'd love to have you. By the way, uh, Anthony Rogers, uh, he still he has a Patreon account that I'd love you to support. If you can go to his page and get his Patreon account and support what he does, I looked on there and it looked like you got about a hundred right now. So I'm I'm ahead of you just a little bit, but man, we need more people donating a couple bucks every month so that he can keep doing what he's doing. So if you can jump on Patreon and support Anthony Rogers, I would love that. Pastor Rogers, thank you for having the not only the knowledge and the ability to communicate, but the willingness to use your life like this. What a what a blessing. We we really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys, I look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, if you want to catch the rest of this, come on over to creationtoday.org. Thank you for joining us for this engaging conversation. To view this and many more conversations in their entirety, we invite you to partner with us at creationtoday.org slash partner.